0: the premier league all access podcast is proud to be brought to you by ladbrooks stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world the premier league with the latest odds form guides expert opinions and more the fans of the players at ladbrooks are you in let's go play at ladbrooks.com 18 plus be t's and c's apply
1: This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to
2: the game day podcast with me, Sam Matterface, the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis and TalkSport's football correspondent, Alex Crook. As Liverpool and Spurs slip up and City and Arsenal take full advantage. Is the title race done? Well, we've said that before. Is the top four race finished? Well, look, there's still miles to go. It's not over until it's over. Yeah, but it's probably over. Uh, Things change quickly in the best league in the world, though. Everton go to Watford on Wednesday night, looking to take a step towards safety because they've got back-to-back wins over Chelsea and Leicester. Leeds are getting loose. Burnley have returned to type. Both are in massive, massive danger. Chelsea being taken over by a baseball owner, which is good news because he can probably help them with their home run. And we will ask Crookie once again whether or not Southampton... Are safe. It's all on the best Premier League review of the weekend. It's the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport.
1: This is Game Day.
2: And a big hello to uh, Darren Lewis and to Alex Cook. And boys, I, I'm in London this morning because I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but uh, I was at the BAFTAs last night. Yes. <laughs> um, and I've got to be honest, I feel a little bit tender. I, I actually feel a little bit like Iliane Mellier, the Leeds goalkeeper. Lots of shots.
3: And I can't handle it anymore. (laughs) I (laughs) hope you weren't as shell shocked as he was by the end of the evening. He was literally walking around in a daze for about 15 minutes after
1: conceding that
3: first game. <laughs> um, uh, look, uh, anyway, I noticed this big
2: sunny weekend. I don't know whether or not you picked up on this as well. And I don't know whether this is, is sort of something that happens as soon as you start thinking about putting your flip-flops on. But there were a lot of set-piece goals conceded and scored this weekend. Is that the first thing that goes, Darren, when you start to let your mind drift towards the beach?
1: Yeah, it's the equivalent of when we had the last day at school as kids, and you could bring your toys in and have a little bit of fun. Um, and no one's too worried if you let a set piece goal in or two. Uh, that's what's happened with so many of the clubs in the Premier League at the moment. You know, what I've noticed over the last couple of games, actually, with a number of players, particularly ones I've taken notice of whose contracts are running down. They're trying to look after themselves uh, so that they don't get injured and jeopardise any potential moves uh, that they've agreed already. Uh, And in all seriousness, in some respects, it's not good to watch because we pride ourselves on having a league which has the most integrity Mm. in the world. And yet we're seeing some eye-catching results that had we been in November or December, those clubs were still in contention to win a trophy or maybe in the title race, we would have seen very, very different results.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Crookie, have you had a a good weekend? Have you enjoyed the action that you've seen? I know that you were at Chelsea Walls. We'll talk about it in detail a little bit uh, later on, but you were taking great glee in their demise earlier in the day and then (laughs) you had that ramp back
3: down your throat about two hours later, if I remember rightly. Uh, yes, I think that's uh, called karma because I did give, I did give uh, some Chelsea fans a bit of stick after Conor kind of Cody's late equaliser. But I, yeah, I thought it was an interesting weekend. I enjoyed the Liverpool Spurs game on Saturday night. I hope uh, Jurgen Klopp had an extra bit of salt on his roast dinner on Sunday because <laughs> because I did think his post-match comments lacked a bit of class, to be honest. And then Pep Guardiola was at it on Sunday, yeah. not to be outdone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, everybody wants Liverpool
2: to win the title. No, they I don't. I don't think they're going to. <laughs> Let's start there as we look back at the weekend.
0: Lovely ball into the area. And it's Ollie Watkins. Just gets away from his markers. It's a diving header. He's unmarked. It's going to be difficult for Burnley right now. It's Burnley nil. Aston Villa three. Full time. Crystal Palace one. Watford nil. Watford have been relegated from the Premier League. Another dismal top flight season will end with them returning to the Championship. Cal steers it wide. Jokinio crosses in right footed. Cody Connor Cody right at the end of stoppage time. It's. T-
2: I mean they are being taken apart here, here is Gross, into Welbeck, in the air, he's got three options and he's smuggled in on the line by Trossard it's 4-0 Anfield has erupted because Liverpool are back on level terms Liverpool 1 Spurs 1 and to be honest it has been coming Norwich 0 West Ham 4 West Ham running right and Manuel Lanzini has scored a penalty
0: it's another goal for Arsenal say. Arsenal 2 leads now and another goal for Eddie Nketiah great work down the left hand side by Gabriel Martinelli he pulled it back across and there was Nketiah to provide the finish Leicester booed off by plenty their season ending in disappointment once again as the Toffees strengthen their own survival hopes their fans magnificently loud all
3: game Leicester 1, Everton 2
1: (laughs) It's
0: 5-0 and it's Raheem Sterling with his second goal of the afternoon brilliant performance from Man City it's now Man City 5, Newcastle United 0
2: Yeah, Pep Guardiola thinks that uh, everybody wants Liverpool to win the title, but it doesn't look likely now. Saturday night, Spurs became the first team to have stopped Liverpool winning at Anfield in the Premier League since October. Twelve straight victories comes to an end, Darren, and does it end up meaning that they're going to fall away in the title race because no, dropping points no. at this stage is a major, major issue.
1: No, 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 no. Listen, do you know, the, the part of the reason I'm not listening to the people who are saying it's all over now is because those same people were saying give City the title in January. Well, you were one right. of them. No, well, no, 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 no. Well, I was were. resigned. I was resigned to City having control. But I remember, and you can get that podcast back up, (laughs) quoting you, Pep Guardiola, saying there are 51 points still to play for. And so it's crazy to say that it's all over. And I remember also in that particular podcast pointing to the key matches that could actually see City drop points. And what we've seen, actually, the ones I thought they'd drop points and they didn't, the ones that I didn't think they dropped points in. They did. And I still do think they've got to go to West Ham. They couldn't score at West Ham in the League Cup when they went out of that particular competition. And they had some big players starting that match. Carl Walker, Kevin De Bruyne, um, Raheem Sterling. They had some really big players. Cancelo came on at halftime. They dropped points against Southampton as well. So all of us looking at the fixture list, and we've been doing it all season, we're guilty of doing that, of saying they're going to beat them, they're going to beat them, they're going to beat them. We are the ones, really, who should reproach ourselves because we don't show enough we respect should. to those We should. Who
2: we should. Hold on, hold on, hold on take. a, second, hold on a There's some straws down there I'm going to clutch at. Hold on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he finds every way he can to be able to turn it round to <laughs> us being wrong. But sometimes... <laughs> Us in the media, we have to, we want to see a title race.
2: Yeah, we do. And then at we the do.
1: first sign of a problem, we all say, oh, it's all over. We it's, overreact it's and we do a little to...
2: bit of recency bias all the time because ultimately we, we get caught up in it, we get excited, especially if we've been to the matches as well. We're, we feel a part of it, I suppose. But ultimately, there is still a long way to go. And we have said before that it is over when it isn't over. And there are tough, tough matches to come. Just from what we've seen, though, this weekend, I thought that Spurs actually could have beaten Liverpool in that game on Saturday. Night, crook. In fact, they had a wonderful chance right towards the end of the game when inexplicably uh, Pierre Emil Hoibier, not one known for goal scoring from inside the penalty area anyway, decided that he was just a little bit too high up the pitch to actually header the ball towards goal and thought he should probably just nudge it back
3: to somebody else. Yeah, I'm not sure how many headed goals, if any, Pierre Hoibier has scored over the course of his Premier League career, but I think that was a classic case of. uh... Uh, wrong player <laughs> in the wrong place at the wrong time really as far as Tottenham are concerned but you're right I think it was a, a brilliant game plan for Antonio Conte despite Jürgen Klopp's grumbles afterwards it's not Antonio Conte's job uh, to go and put on a show and allow Liverpool to play the type of football that would enable them to get the three points so I, I do think his post-match comments were poor What didn't I, you like about them? What What did he say that really irked you? He didn't, he didn't agree with that type of football it's not up to Jurgen Klopp to preach virtues of how every club in the Premier League should play. Tottenham don't have the resource that Liverpool do. They don't have the players man for man to take on Liverpool in a football match. Antonio Conte is an elite level manager. He's been finding ways for years uh, to to pick up points and pick up victories when maybe his teams aren't expected to do so. So I think he should have come out and praised Tottenham for their game plan. But I think actually despite Darren's uh, very impassioned defence of Liverpool's title hopes It was Jurgen Klopp admitting the title is gone. You could see it in his face. I think he looked uh, looked like he hadn't slept all week. Jurgen Klopp, he knows that Manchester City won't drop another point this season. Manchester City will win every game between now and the. They should just
1: go and play golf then for the next three games. I'm not saying that. but
3: Jurgen Klopp knows it's over, Darren. You know in your heart of hearts, every Liverpool fan knows it's over. That's my
1: point. That's my point. If if it's all over, should he just play maybe the second team in the next three games? Of course not, because he hopes to believe that miracles can happen, but they won't. Well, exactly. We've seen we've seen unexpected results already this season. And and this as is as most point. recently
2: is last midweek when Real Madrid scored two goals in the last two minutes of exactly. stoppage time to knock
1: City out of the Champions League. Crystal Palace beat Manchester City at home this season in the Premier League. You can never legislate for a league where the mid range ranking sides, if you like, have a strength that other leagues don't have. And so, and the the one good thing about Guardiola, you you know, I know he thinks this nonsense about everyone wants Liverpool to win. You know that, you know, uh, and you tease me about Liverpool, but the facts are, and I always say this, when we're broadcasting and when I'm doing my job, I'm a reporter. I'm not a fan. And yeah. if Liverpool do something wrong and they're deserving of criticism, they get it. And I think that's the same for a lot of people within my profession. My We're all the same. Of their yeah. loyalties, if anything, they are harder on the teams they support, mm-hmm. really easier on those teams. Um, and I think as far as Liverpool are concerned, we want it to go to the wire. There is every chance it can still go to the wire. And I do not accept at this stage that it's all over.
2: And the good news is is that they both, Liverpool and Manchester City, got Aston Villa to play. So Stevie Dewey will roll over for Liverpool and then he'll put out his best team and they'll work really hard against Manchester City. I mean, who would say a thing like that? That sounds like something that maybe Sir Alex Ferguson would have said back in the day. And then Kevin Keegan had thrown his toys out of the pram as a result. They've got uh, Aston Villa in midweek and then they've got Chelsea at the weekend for the FA Cup final. Liverpool, they're still going to have a very good season. Southampton follow, that's an easy three points. And then Wolverhampton Wanderers on the final day of the season. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Manchester City then because they were victorious on Sunday afternoon. The perfect riposte to a demoralising, deflating defeat in midweek against a Newcastle team who looked a shade
3: off the pace to me, Crook. Yeah, a lot of people were saying maybe this could be where Manchester City would slip up because they would be suffering some kind of Champions League hangover. I never really bought into that narrative because how often does Pep Guardiola lose back-to-back games. You'll probably have the stats, Sam, but I don't think it's happened on too many occasions since he mm. came to these shores. And Newcastle, to quote Darren, they're on the beach. You know, they've, they've achieved what they wanted to. They're safe with games to spare, which they couldn't have envisaged uh, as recently as the end of January. But I think it does show as well, Newcastle fans, and we've got a few of them at TalkSport Towers, getting very excited about next season. They're going to sign Kylian Mbappe. They're going to challenge <laughs> for the Champions League. I think we've seen the gap that Newcastle have to make up. And I think for them next season, if they could challenge even for a Europa Conference League place, that would be progress. It might not be enough for some impatient Newcastle fans, but that is the the fact of the matter.
2: No, I think actually being realistic about it and making step-by-step improvements, rather than trying to have some sort of revolution and going sort of all Jack Walker, Blackburn, Manchester City, Chelsea, Roman Abramovich style, actually it would be better if Newcastle did build slowly because even if you look at Chelsea and you look at Manchester City, they'd already started to move up the ladder prior to the huge amounts of investment. Newcastle were rock bottom when this lot came in. They've got a lot of ground to make up, haven't they, Darren?
1: They do. And they've got to catch teams that are already established, recalibrated. I mean Arsenal will be stronger for their Transfer Window business this summer. Spurs, if Conti stays, will be much much stronger. Mm. You didn't sound too do. confident about that.
2: Did you was it, You got some inside knowledge
1: there. Well, no, listen, I, I know last night, uh, Pochettino was booed by the PSG fans when he's getting the elbow. Out. Um, and, and there seems to be this very curious suggestion that the two could swap jobs. I think Conti will stay. I think as far as the only uncertainty is whether the club actually give him the funds to be able to turn things around there. But, I think if you look at the work that he's done so far since November, the improvement in the players, Ben Davis is a different player. Emerson Riles improved. Mm. Um, Ryan Sessignon has started to fulfil his potential Um, Son is now the complete forward, even more so than he was before. I think if you can see what he's done with some of the players that he doesn't even want, if you think about it, when he gets the players and he does want, they are going to be a far, far stronger side. So I think they will stay. So as far as Newcastle are concerned, it's a big ask to reel in, uh, to break their way into the top six. And you also have to factor in one important point. All of those managers in the top six, they have pulling power. They've got, people know what their work is. So when they go in for top line players in other countries, there is that lure, that attraction. Eddie Howe, he's done a fantastic job at Newcastle, but he doesn't have the same pulling power as an Arteta, a Conte. Tuchel yeah Cop. but
2: that's different isn't it when you put someone's putting down an extra 20 grand on top of your weekly wage that has a bit more pulling power doesn't it I, it mean, does, I know it's it not does. working with Pep they're also shopping in different markets to Pep to uh, Antonio Contes Thomas Tuchel to Jürgen but well, they Norley. don't have
1: European football as well
2: and, and, and that and might be, it's that very might be likely a plus likely that point next Spurs, season Arsenal,
1: Spurs will, or, or Arsenal could have Champions League Leicester could have European football we, we don't know how it's going to pan out even mm. West Ham might have European football and be more of a draw for some players who want to play in the second tier competition than Newcastle so that's what they're going to have to contend with as well That
2: we will see we already know that Manchester City got some cracking players and I want to talk about the final goal that they scored the fifth goal which involved Sterling involved Grealish all in on the action it was a terrific team goal from Manchester City who were ruthless on Sunday and uh,
3: you know, they, they, I think their goal difference is now better than Liverpool's Yeah and that could be a factor um, especially if Darren's prediction that City are going to slip up somewhere comes to fruition. I actually thought it was one of Jack Grealish's it's not
1: a prediction that they're gonna slip up. It's a possibility. Sounded it's
2: like a prediction, come on, mate, no, come, it's on, a come possibility. on, come on, come on. You, it's you, not a, prediction a bit of Just in case on you're
1: listening to this and you don't want to and you're thinking of going away <laughs> yeah. saying Darren Lewis Darren predicted said, City yeah. will slip up. It's a possibility because it happened earlier in the season and that possibility remains open.
3: Yeah, yeah. stop putting words in his mouth, Crook. That's That's the headline. That's the back page. Um, <laughs> I actually thought it was one of Jack Grealish's better performances uh, for Manchester City. And obviously it came after he got a bit of criticism uh, for the big chance that he missed in the Burner Bell. I guess if you're going to caveat that, you would say they didn't pay £100 million for Jack Grealish to... To, to run riot against Newcastle, it was to step up on the big occasion. He hasn't done that so far. But going forward, they were fantastic, weren't they, Manchester yeah. City? Obviously, they've got problems defensively. Uh, they've lost Diaz, they've got, lost Walker, they've lost John Stones now. Uh, I think Pep said after the game, they're all out for the rest of the season. That could be an issue. But they going forward, you know, they can score at will. Kevin De Bruner, man of the match performance, creative one goal, Lay like plenty of other chances on a plate. They're going to sign Erling Haaland this week and that is quite a devastating prospect for the rest of the Premier League when you've got somebody, an actual number nine, finishing off these plethora of chances that they create.
2: Yeah, I'll make a prediction for you. I think we should all pack up and go home once they sign Erling Haaland because... Uh... Just not fair. It's just it's just not fair, is it, really, to be honest with you? That's just like having all the best kids in the playground, all in one team, and the rest of us get spanked. Um, I think Rodri's turned into a key player, not only in his own half of the field, but in the opposition box as well. He's become a real weapon, and that's important because uh, he's got height, he's got physicality, and that's something they don't have, in and around the box and him breaking into the area, getting on the end of set pieces, I think it's been a major part of the last couple of weeks of the season. Um, let's talk about Arsenal. Their quest for Champions League football continued as they laboured to a two-one victory over Leeds United at the Emirates Stadium on Sunday. Eddie Nketiah scored twice uh, against ten-man uh, Leeds, sending the visitors into the Premier League relegation zone as a result of that. Enketia actually was once on loan at Leeds United. He could have done them serious damage yesterday. He seemed to sort of almost seal the points within the first 10 minutes of the match before they gave a little bit of encouragement to Leeds United. Luke Hailing was sent off. Should we start with Nketiah? Because um, I think there's been a lot of talk about his future and whether or not he's going to sign the contract that Arsenal have offered him. And they have offered him a contract. In fact, they've offered him two different contracts over the course of the last six months. Hasn't signed it yet. What's the latest, do you think, Darren? Is he going to stay?
1: No, he's not going to stay. He's going to leave. And he's putting himself in the shop window with his performances so that he can maximise his options. If he was going to stay, he'd have stayed a long time ago and signed his contract, gave a flash interview, the one they do straight after the match, Mm. uh, to Sky Sports. And uh, the reporter did so well to try and pin him down to an answer as to whether he's going to stay. And he avoided it. We've all seen enough football, and I'm sure everyone watching and listening You've all seen enough football footballs, know, when players are going to stay, they commit and they don't make any bones about it. He's going to leave. He'll do well. Uh, Arsenal will survive. Uh, they played well-ish yesterday. Leeds shot themselves in the foot. Uh, well, but Luke far- Hayling
2: shot themselves in, in, well, in the foot,
1: didn't he? Well, to be fair, they'd shot themselves before that. I mean, yeah, the goalkeeper sure. had no idea what he was doing. Um, and then the defending for the second goal was shambolic. And then obviously Luke Hayling lost his mind. I, I, I think... It's going to be hard for them, but if they can win one more home game, they might have a chance. But as far as Arsenal are concerned, it's not their fault that the teams they've played against have been so bad. They've done incredibly well, but they've
2: been lucky with their fixtures, though haven't they? I mean, they really have just hit everybody at the right time. Arsenal. No, but
1: they've taken their chances. Uh, They have, and they haven't. You've got to credit them with that.
2: And if that earns you a new three-year contract, that should earn you a new three-year contract. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he is staying, isn't he, Mikel Arteta? I mean, I thought it would have been better, actually, for him to get his contract once he'd earned a top-four place and it would have looked like reward for doing something. But actually, they've given it to him early, in a sense, maybe in t- anticipation that they are going to end up getting uh, a top four place. The North London derby is next for Arsenal against Tottenham. And actually, they can even afford to lose it and still be favourites to finish in the top four. Um, So they've got a huge advantage over Tottenham now, Crook.
3: Yeah, it was a massive weekend. Um, I think you texted me straight after the the Liverpool game and said that point is useless for both teams, really, because... Mm. We think it effectively ends the title race, despite what Darren's been saying. And it probably ends the top four race uh, as well, because I think Arsenal, with their fixtures, as you say, they can afford to lose. I think they'll probably get a draw in that North London derby, and that will be enough for them uh, to to find themselves back in the Champions League, I think, for the first time since 2016. So credit to them for that. They've lost 11 games this season. We had quite a heated debate on Darren Bent's boot room on Sunday. Uh, Mm. I was maybe tongue-in-cheek suggesting that perhaps the Premier League should consider just having three Champions League places because do a team who've lost 11 games over the course of the season really deserve to be in the Champions League and I think not only have they got lucky with their fixtures, they've got lucky that Manchester United have been such a shambles, they've got lucky that Tottenham appointed Nuno Espirito Santo as their original manager this season and not Antonio Conte and they might even get lucky that Chelsea find themselves in a state of flux and Arsenal end up finishing in third place and listen, they're not the third best team in, in the Premier League and I actually think next season, it wouldn't take much for fans to turn on Mikel Arteta. If they start the season bad. If they find themselves in 7-4-8, the European campaign doesn't get off to a positive start. I think they'll quickly turn. So it's going to be a fascinating watch.
1: Kirk, Kirk I've got a question for you. Do you think they'll win away at Spurs and Newcastle? I think they'll pick up a point at Spurs and I think they yeah. can
3: win away at Newcastle. I think, I think as I said, Newcastle have, have basically given up the ghost for this season. I think that's quite a kind fixture as well. I think,
2: I think, I think the key thing is, and we mentioned this on the preview pod on Thursday, um, was that Arsenal, by the sequence of events that we knew or thought would happen this weekend, we thought that Tottenham would drop points, we thought that Arsenal would win, and that puts them in a situation where they are in control of the North London derby. They don't have to go out all guns blazing to win it, Spurs do, and actually that might play into Arsenal's hands. Actually on the balance of what we've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks in terms of form and who's in form, Arsenal actually are in worse form than than Tottenham. Tottenham actually played very well on Saturday night and there was a lot in that performance which might give Antonio Conte encouragement going into the North London derby and they might be favourites for it. But but Arsenal can play a different game. They don't have to go hell for them. But a point for them is absolutely superb. So
1: I might this might be one of those rare occasions where I think you're wrong. Arsenal, Arsenal are in better form than than Spurs. Spurs won six of their last eight. Arsenal have won each of their last
2: four. Yeah, but that's pure statistics. I'm talking about watching no, but, what I saw with my eyes on Saturday but, night and watching what I saw on Sunday. I think a bet. I think Tottenham are a better team.
1: But the game is about winning. You know, Absolutely, if, And so if you look at Arsenal's recent run, they have taken 12 points from 12.
2: Yeah, but I'm talking about a team that uh, uh, that Tottenham had played a brilliant opposition in Liverpool and still competed well with them. You're talking about Arsenal played Leeds United and just about got over the line. There's a slight difference in terms well, of the level no, I, of their opponents.
1: I think the difference is four points because the wins that Arsenal put, picked up put them in the top four and not Spurs. So whatever, Listen, I, I agree with you on the way Spurs have played. I think they've been fantastic defensively in those wins and offensively we all know what they can do. But the facts are, Arsenal have won four games. You don't get extra marks for artistic impression. You know, they are in a position where they, as you said yourself, can get a point on Thursday and win. And you, you are right, both of you, they have been fortunate that the teams they've played against have either been so bad or not interested. But... Uh, that's not their fault and it looks very much now that as though they're going to close out.
2: Yeah, well we'll see. Um as far as Leeds are concerned, they've got Chelsea next uh, before games uh, against Brighton at home and Brentford away. It's gonna be absolutely now bar in for Jesse Marsh and his team and the supporters as well. And I think actually it's gonna go one of two ways. If he keeps them up, then it will be all how Jesse, hasn't he done a great job in doing so because they were hurtling towards relegation before he arrived. If they go down, that crowd is going to turn because they didn't want Bielsa to go in the first place. Um, on uh, Wednesday night, we're going to Watford. It's live on Talk Sport. Watford against Everton. And wow, Mason Holgate fired resurgent Everton this weekend out of the Premier League relegation zone with the winning goal and a 2-1 victory against Leicester. The defenders' header secured back-to-back league wins uh, for the just the second time... This season, I think the first since August for Frank Lampard's Toffees, who move above Leeds, who have beaten Arsenal on Sunday and Burnley. What an opener it was as well, Crook, by Vitali Mikalenko. It was a stunning goal.
3: It was some finish um, and some performance for, from Everton. Uh, brilliant show of character again, because of course they conceded the equaliser, fairly quickly after getting themselves in front, promptly went up the other end and exploited Leicester's deficiencies that have been there all season from defending set pieces. But what I think they've done really well, and Frank Lampard deserves a bit of credit for this, they've channelled into that passion of the supporters. If you saw the scenes outside Finch Farm on Saturday night, flares, seems to be all the rage these days, isn't it? letting off a flare outside a training ground. Or and they're not just talking about Darren's trousers. In the stadium, But, you know, that atmosphere, I think the Everton players have really bought into it. There are players like Richarlison now who are running through brick brick walls, whereas before they didn't particularly look interested. So they found momentum at exactly the right time, Everton. And I think going to Watford in midweek, from what I'm told, the atmosphere at Vicarage Road could be quite toxic against Roy Hodgson, who didn't even acknowledge uh, the travelling Watford fans as their relegation was sealed against the old club, his old club, Crystal Palace. He was more interested in taking the adulation of the Palace supporters. That didn't go <laughs> down well. Uh, there are problems between the management team and the players. There are problems between the owners uh, and the players. They've been making them stay at hotels rather than go home after training sessions because they've tapped into the fact, listen, there's no point in Uh, deducting wages for poor performances because they're millionaires anyway that's not going to hit home let's take their time instead of their money so it's a pretty toxic environment of Vicarage Road and Everton might just be able to take advantage of that I think. Yeah they did have their wobbles
2: the two central defenders colliding to allow Pats and Dacker to squeeze through to score the uh, equaliser for Leicester. There were moments though when they dug deep as well Pickford made a flying save up to his top corner as he has done over the course of this run he's been absolutely terrific Yerry Mina being back makes a massive difference to them uh, defensively. I can't wait for this game on Wednesday night live on Talk Sport away at Watford and crucially as well it's a game in hand over those around them which which gives them a real impetus if they were to put three points on the board, Darren. I mean, it's not over because there's always a possibility that things can change. This is the Premier League. There's more twists and turns than a rattlesnake in a sack. But but it would give them a great chance of getting safety.
1: Yeah, Watford are basically never mind on the beach. I mean, <laughs>
2: they're not allowed to go to the beach. They're locked up in a
1: hotel room. <laughs> You know, the interesting thing about Watford is that their relegation underlines what we've been saying all season. You simply cannot follow that model that people were defending when Cisco was sacked and Roy Hodgson was brought in of uh, simply... Outrageous, because throwing. he lost two games. In Honestly, fact, the other managers have all lost only two games
2: each and he was only in charge for seven.
1: Well, it, it was just a joke. And I think the way that they have treated managers over the years has been appalling. I feel so for the staff who, you mm. know, we all know when... Clubs go down, clubs cut costs and people's livelihoods are affected. Those people I do feel sorry for and all of the other people who are innocent, if you like, in all this. Um, but I think as far as the decision making is concerned at, at Watford, it's been poor. And they've just thrown players together and expected managers to make it work. And even if they do, they get thrown overboard. So I expect Everton to go there and win. Uh, ben, uh, what uh, the goalkeeper... Uh, ben Foster Ben Foster thank you um, was saying at the weekend himself that too many of the players turn up for 70 minutes and switch off for the final 20- I
2: thought that was quite an outrageous uh, claim to make really I mean not, not not on his part but to suggest that there are players that are not giving their all for maybe 30% of the time which is what he did suggest quite clearly not only in one post-match interview but
3: a couple that is troubling isn't it well,
1: but that's what, what happens
3: that? if you sign players like Joshua King <laughs>
1: Oh, well, that's your personal thing. I'm not going to aim it at one particular player, but I'll let you develop that. And all I will say is this. As far as Everton are concerned, there are no easy games in the Premier League except Watford home and all. all. (laughs) And they will fully take all three points. And Watford players... They take their money, but they are not interested in playing football.
2: The the, the most ironic thing about that, Darren, is is that you said there's no easy games in the Premier League apart from Watford home and away. And uh, they were beaten at home by Watford by five goals to two earlier in the season. So they won't be taking it lightly when they go to Vicarage Road. This This current Watford Watford of
1: the last three months...
2: Um, okay, do you want to develop your point on Joshua King? You want to do you want to you know, be, a bit, be a bit sort of uh, I mean I mean to be I, I feel like he's a bit picking on an individual there. I well, mean, he's case go. in point.
3: Uh, he's produced two performances this season. One was in that five-two win at Goodison Park because he felt mistreated by Everton last season, and one was in the four-one demolition of Manchester United because he felt mistreated that Manchester United didn't follow through their bid to sign him a couple of January windows ago. He down tools at Bournemouth uh, when he didn't get his move. Barely tried a leg for them after that Manchester United move fell through. He isn't the type of character that you want in a relegation fight. Watford were always going to be in a relegation fight this season. So it's just rank bad recruitment. And he's not the only one. From what I'm told, Ben Foster's comments are bang on. And actually, he's probably been quite generous by suggesting that some of these Watford players turn up for 70 minutes out of 90. Not sure they turn up for quite as long as that, to be honest. Um,
2: we, we will talk a little bit about Crystal Palace and Watford, although I we'll feel like we've covered most of it now. But we were talking about Leicester and Everton, and Leicester's defence does need serious work. I mean, it's not as bad as Manchester United's defence, but uh, Holgate's goal was the 56th goal that they've conceded in the league this season. And it's the 18th goal that they've conceded from set pieces. Now, when you've got a coach like Brendan Rodgers, who prides himself on incredible amounts of detailed planning and meticulous preparation, That's a real worry, isn't it, Darren?
1: Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, Last season, he was suggesting that there were players who wouldn't be there this season. Um, This season, I think he needs even more surgery. What I also think he needs, you know, is better protection for the back four as well. I mean, during the first part of the season, he was unfortunate with injuries and suspensions. But during the latter part of the season... They've just looked so exposed on so many occasions. And yeah. I think we're going to have to go back to the drawing board. I mean, he does have decent players in midfield, but I don't think that that setup protects his defence at all.
2: and I wonder whether Tielemans as well. I mean, he's obviously been fantastic for them and they've got a much better defensive record when he's in the team than when he's out of the team. That certainly was the case up to the midpoint of the season anyway. But Tielemans has got his eye on a move, I think. And as a result of that...
1: His eye on a move, he's practically agreed it. I mean, uh, listen, I'm a big believer and I don't know what you think, I'm sure your views are quite strong as well, but I'm a believer, if somebody doesn't want to sign a contract, you do not play. You do not play. I'm sorry. I want players in my team who are committed to what the club is trying to do. And no matter how good you are, if you are not committed, if you don't want to sign a contract and you're prepared to let it run down, don't play.
2: Unless you've got one matter and Nemanja Matic in your team, in which case you've, you've got to use all the resources you can
3: get. And, and, and yeah. Cavani. And Cavani. And, Li- and, and Lingard. And Lingard. Um, and but and no, I, I think Darren's, Darren's spot on. Uh, I mean, Tilleman's agents were at London Colney negotiating with Arsenal in January. There was even a possibility the move could have happened then. I think they're just waiting for Arsenal to rubber stamp their place in the Champions League. And that will be one of the first deals to be completed this summer. And it's going to be part of a big shake-up at Leicester. They're changing their recruitment. They, they've they agreed a deal with Martin Glover, who is uh, the sporting director at Southampton. Whether they can persuade Southampton to let him leave before the end of the summer transfer window, I think he's still being negotiated behind the scenes, but that will happen uh, eventually. eventually. They need to find a, a long-term successor for Jamie Vardy. They've tried it with Ian Atcher. They've tried it with Pats and hasn't really worked out for either of those at the moment. And they need somebody who's going to be able to go in and play for the next five years, alongside Wesley Fofana, because we know that Johnny Evans is going to pick up injuries. I think Fofana is an excellent defender, but they need a, somebody in there alongside him to solve those defensive problems. So an interesting summer. And I don't think they've got hundreds of millions to spend either.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure that that person alongside Fofana is going to be so on to, to be honest with you. OK, um, should we have a little bit of fun? Should we have a bit of fun, Darren? Should we have a bit of fun? Shall yeah. we? Shall we have a bit of fun? OK, <laughs> let's look at Brighton against Man United.
1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com
0: awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. you're an embarrassment.
1: Yes, I an goes into the corner, from 20 yards out. Fast damage to Gea and Brighton take the lead. And I'm
0: telling you now, this should be at least two or even three nil to Brighton.
2: McAllister picks up on the left by Trossard who keeps it alive. Kukurea is joining! Rams it into the roof of the net. Manchester United are being battered by Brighton. Here is Gross, into Welbeck, in the air, he's got three options and he's smuggled in on the line by Trossard, it's 4-0. 4-0. Manchester United, you are an embarrassment. Brighton 4, Manchester United nil. Uh, it's Brighton's best ever top flight win at the Amex. It was probably their best ever day at the Amex Stadium even Graham Potter notoriously not someone to get too excited or too downbeat no matter the result said it was very very special and Brighton were and I think what we should start by saying is that Brighton were absolutely terrific in this football match brilliant one of the best performances that they've put in they were excellently choreographed they worked the ball brilliantly their patterns of play were excellent their finishing was superb and you haven't always been able to say that about them um, over the course of the season they defended well as a team they were Hungry. They were tight to Manchester United, they didn't let them rest, they were on them from the very first whistle. But, but Manchester United were an absolute disgrace. They're an embarrassment. I said at the end of the commentary um, that the Manchester United we have known and many have loved are dead. And that's true. The fact of the matter is, this is no longer Manchester United in the way that we saw, even going back into the 80s. I compared it to you know Ron Atkinson's team. You know, he got fired, Ron Atkinson, when they led the, t- the title race for six months of the season and then missed out in the second half of the campaign. I mean, this team is nowhere near that sort of level. And it's absolutely embarrassing. It's the worst Manchester United team since they were relegated, Darren.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shocking performances all over the pitch. Um, two players, maybe three, come out of it unscathed for me. Who? Yeah, hey, uh, El and Ronaldo. Elanga was dragged off at half time. He was, but he's a promising player being dragged down by mediocrity and egos out of control around him. I think the lack of respect to the way that Ralph Rangnick wants to play is shocking and an indictment of a lot of these players. I would say it's their worst performance of the season, but I saw them turn it in against Watford. I saw them turn it in against Liverpool. There have been so many displays so far this season where they have been absolutely disgraceful and not one single player. It, listen, if Ten Hag was to come in and say, I'm going to get rid of all... all of
2: eleven, 11, yeah. you would say, good idea, fella. Because that is... Like, on Saturday, you know, I know you talked them, about the Watford performance. Like I,
1: say, like I say, the only ones that would escape for me unscathed would be De Gea, Alanga and Ronaldo. And the other players are... Decent players, but I tell you this I'll make one point. I know you want to make a lot of points, and Chris's going to make a lot of points. I'll just say this one thing this renders the idea that Conti would not have been a good fit for the club laughable. Yeah. And the only people pushing that are the people sympathetic to. The likes of John Murter and Darren Fletcher and all of that, because they are scared to be challenged. When you look at the job that Conte's done at Spurs, the players have improved, the goals have scored, the stuff. This garbage about oh this the, the Conte being angry at uh, uh, sorry Klopp being angry at Conte underlines the reason why he wasn't. Uh, it's nonsense. Conti challenges clubs that want to be challenged and Manchester United do not want to be challenged. That's why they will not play Champions League football next season and they're hurting. They need him. They missed him and good on Spurs for getting him and making up for their intransigence.
2: Okay, um, I think actually the, the Watford performance was a bad performance but there were extenuating circumstances surrounding it, manager, other no, bits no, and pieces. I don't no, that, so. well, no, let me
1: finish what I'm saying. No, I don't what buy I'm that, You're Manchester United. Let there me finish extenuating what I'm saying. circumstances. The yep. basic premise of wearing that shirt is hard work yep. and they didn't produce that on the day. Well, I'm
2: talking, I agree with you. I'm saying to you that there were different circumstances surrounding the Watford performance. There were different circumstances around the Liverpool performance because Liverpool are an elite football team and I can understand Manchester United getting beaten like that but on Saturday on Saturday they chucked it in it was absolutely evident that they didn't do what they had been asked to do they were not closing down spaces they were not putting the required amount of effort in and that to me especially towards the end of a season away from home when you've got lots of fans that have travelled down when you've had a terrible time and you've got to try and protect your position in the top at least try and protect your position in the top six you've got to make sure that the basic thing that you do is turn up and try to be counted and they did not do that on Saturday they were an absolute disgrace they were abysmal from the minute the game started and actually 4-0 flatters Brighton because it should have been 9 Crook
3: We'll let you have your say now. I think you mean 4-0 flatters Manchester United, but we'll we'll, Sorry. we'll, get, we'll yeah. get over the, the semantics. <laughs> You're um, right. I like the fact it's you two who are rowing about Manchester United, and I can just sit back here and, and watch because I think over the course of the season, and actually over the course of the last two years, I've said pretty much all there is to be said about Manchester United. I disagree with you, Sam. That wasn't the first time this group of players have down tools. They've been doing it week in, week out. I'm not it's saying, it's I'm saying it's the first time worst. Sound it was the wasn't the
1: worst. worst. It wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst. Sorry, you carry on.
3: The worst might still be to come because every time you think Manchester United can't get any worse, they do. Um, and listen, it's partly the manager because from what I'm told, they've been astonished at how poor Ralph Rangnick has been. I think when they appointed him, they didn't necessarily expect to lose McKenna and Carrick and that's been a real problem because the coaches that have come in are not up to the calibre that these Manchester United players expect doesn't it doesn't help when they sit there calling him Ted Lasso. Yeah, but having said that, professional standards should allow you to play to the best of your capability, regardless of who is coaching you or who is training you or who is giving you instructions. And if you want an example of that, let's go back to when Chelsea nearly won the Champions League under Avram Grant. That wasn't a managerial genius. That was a group of players mm. who had pride in the shirt, had pride in their own professional standards, Who nearly dragged that team to a Champions League title. And actually, they did drag the team to a Champions League title under Roberto Di Matteo. So I'm not letting the Manchester United players off the hook. I agree De Gea has been one ray of light this season, but it's pretty easy if you're a goalkeeper in this team to look good because he's had plenty of practice. Has he been a leader? Not sure he has, to be honest. So is he a long term answer for Manchester United? Again,
4: they've conceded
2: 58 goals. Exactly. 58 goals. It's their worst defensive record since 1979. It's their worst away run, the five in a row. I mean, last year, they couldn't stop winning away from home. They were coming back from all sorts of deficits and making sure they put points on the board. They didn't lose a single game on the travels. This year, they've been terrible. Five games in a row now they've lost away from home. They haven't kept a clean sheet on their travels, Darren, since they played Norwich, and that doesn't even count.
1: Yeah, and like I say, you know, I made a joke about Watford home in a way being the easiest team to play against in the Premier League actually it's Man United because (laughs) no matter how bad you are when you play them you have a chance even when they played Norwich Norwich had chances to beat them and you know I tweeted this at the weekend it's starting to look now in fact I'm, I'm fairly certain they all decided they'd put in a performance against Brentford. It was their last home game of the season. The last thing they needed was the fans turning on them, particularly with the protest as well. Yeah. Um, and so they decided, look, let's turn it on tonight. And then after that, they've, they've down tools again. And I think Ten Hag has now in a way he has the right to be ruthless yeah. uh, if you were Ten Hag coming in and you had a blueprint the club couldn't say to you no we want this and we want that because you have the right now to come in and rip it up in any way you see fit and like I, I would just go back to saying this I actually and this is the biggest indictment of them I think they're not bad players no but they just don't like hard work and they're bad characters Con- yeah and Conti going in Conti would have made them work hard And the problem is that Manchester United is a club Riven with indulgence and entitlement and players who believe they have um, extra time on the ball because of who they are and administrators who are living in the past as well, who believe that because they are Manchester United, it will all come right. I don't even think if you were to really push me, Ten Hag is the right man, but that's a different story. The fact is that United are a club that need to be challenged and they are scared to be challenged.
2: Yeah, and I think what's really interesting is what you said there about, you know, we said bad characters or they they're afraid of hard work. Actually, I think they've been indulged so much over the course of the last few years. Oligan and Solskjaer's tactic was to try and keep them all happy so that they did what he asked them to do. Mm, Ten times better under him than they have been under Ralph Rangnick. Yeah. But what that has now done is, is that is now when someone has come in and said, actually, no, we, we, we're we not going to give you everything you want. We want you to do it this way. They've rebelled against that and said, oh, we're not doing that because they've been overindulged so much over the course of the last few years. It's a real problem for Eric Ten Hag. And actually, if he could, I think he should go in there, sign 11 new players to start the season make life uncomfortable for the ones that he does not want be horrible and ruthless and say right now okay you know here's the hotel a bit like the Watford owners until he decides the ones that he wants from the previous group to join the the new group and if that means spending a few quid but also getting a few good experienced pros on free transfers in order to build the, the, the nuance of a team, so that you can, the nucleus of a team, so that you can start again afresh, almost wiping the, the slate clean. I think you should do it. I pointed out that, you know, in 2001 2, um, Harry Redknapp walked in the following summer after uh, Portsmouth had struggled, laboured mid division in the Championship. He made 47 transactions in and out that summer of players coming into the club and players going out of the club built a whole new team for the start of the next campaign and won the Championship. I'm not sure that's possible at a club like Manchester United, but it's that level of revolution that is
3: required to, to get this club going in the right uh, direction. He's got a helping hand, doesn't he? Because you look at the players who are out of contract, Paul Pogba will be leaving. It was fanciful to think that he would pitch up at Manchester City. I think the interest no, was genuine. Yeah, but he's not going to do that, Darren, because it's Boom. too much like hard work to go yeah. and play for Pep Guardiola. Well, well, He'll end up somewhere like Paris Saint-Germain, Saint-Germain where he can coast through games as he's tried to coast through his not, Manchester United. Not Antonio Antonio Contegas, Contegas, Edinson Cavani, Edinson Cavani shouldn't even be at the club anymore. He's coming to the end of his contract in the summer. He's turned up when he wants to. They should already have paid him off and said, listen, fella, you're out the door. Go back to Uruguay. Go and fix up your next move. Jesse Lingard, his family demanding a send-off on social media. I agree with Gary Neville. There have been far more prestigious names in Manchester United's history that haven't felt they deserve a send off at Old Trafford. What has Jesse Lingard actually contributed? in recent seasons to think he deserved to send-off. He's leaving in the summer. He had no intention of signing a new contract. He shouldn't be in the building either. It comes back to the point you're making. If players are letting their contracts run down so they can leave on a free and get themselves the best possible deal, they shouldn't be anywhere near the first team dressing room. Make yeah. them train with the kids. The fact that Ralph Ranjic has continued to indulge these players has been a big part of Manchester United's issue.
2: Okay, uh, let's move on because uh, otherwise we're going to get bogged down in some of those Manchester United issues again and we need to talk about Chelsea's two to draw with Wolverhampton Wanderers. And it was a 97th-minute Conor Cody goal uh, that saw Wolves complete a comeback from 2-0 down to secure that draw at Chelsea. And it's the latest failure from Chelsea at home where they've won just two of their last six. Poor old Todd Bowley has spent £4.25 billion on the club. And the only thing that was uh, great for them this weekend was the Chelsea women's side winning the WSL and he didn't turn up for that one he went to the <laughs> Wolves game instead um, it's going to be a, a team that needs invigorating over the summer isn't it Darren because there's quite a few players there that are, that are on the move
1: well first thing to say is congratulations to the Chelsea's women, Sam Kerr were two outrageously oh, good. the players. second one was unbelievable unreal and and you know they deserve every bit of the praise that they've been getting uh, since then. so congratulations to them but as I was saying before, the Chelsea players, particularly that defence, they are playing with one eye on the exit door. They've agreed their deals. They're going to be off. They're not going to stay around during this moment of transition. They've got good offers from elsewhere and they're going to be gone. And I think right now, I mean, Leeds to host Chelsea this week, and I think it might be easier for them than they expect. They're disjointed up front I know they scored those two goals up front, but they just look clunky at the moment up front. In midfield, they're not as strong as they used to be. And at the back, they're all over the place. Um, and I think it's a worry for Boley, but he could see it as an opportunity to really, again, be ruthless in the summer in terms of the the signings that he wants to make in in terms of the way that he wants to reconfigure the team. My understanding is that Marina Granovsky is going to stay, the chief negotiator at the club, so I'm sure she'll already have drawn up a blueprint. But my worry, Sam, and I know you're a Chelsea fan, so you must be as worried as well, is that they're only a point ahead of Arsenal. If Arsenal and Spurs continue their momentum and Chelsea don't, they might not even finish in the top four.
2: The key thing is that's not going to happen because Arsenal have got to play Spurs. Now, if that wasn't the case, I might be a little bit more concerned. And they're if also they playing, Leeds. Leeds, United.
1: If they're they playing Leeds, Leeds
3: United. They're playing they, Leeds United. They're playing Leeds, Leeds United. They'll beat Leeds They'll score 10 exactly. goals against Leeds.
1: If they lose to Leeds they'll and Tottenham beat Leeds. Arsenal,
3: they're not going to lose the Leeds. Going to lose the Leeds. That gets very nervy all, all of a
2: sudden. It's not going to get nervy. It's not. Don't worry about it. Stop worrying about it. Stop. Chelsea taking far too Alex. much rent-free space up in your heads. The fact of the matter is it'll be fine. They'll finish the some
1: handkerchiefs next week in case we uh, <laughs> lose to Leeds, maybe we can won't lose to Leeds by Kleenex. Just but I think that
3: complacency Leeds. that our, our esteemed host is showing—not uh, complacency—is is maybe I just part seen of the problem at, at Stamford <laughs> Bridge. You know, they believe they are already safe in the top four. They're preserving themselves for an FA Cup final that I really can't make a case for them winning because if Liverpool turn up and bring their A game, Chelsea are going to have to. Raise their performance to maybe three levels, and what we've seen in recent weeks. Yeah, so I, I, I actually think
2: I actually think tactically they worked on something on Saturday that went a little bit unnoticed. Samidways
1: so um, having a snooze.
2: No, I, I think you might. I, I think if you go back and have a look at what they did on Saturday, there's some interesting positional play on Saturday, which I think was in direct preparation for next weekend. Is it called on the beach? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I was gonna mention the fact that Christensen and Rudiger had gone at the in Silva cracking on and we know that they'll have to be replaced in the not-too-distant future. And and you spoke about Marina Granovskaya. Actually, is it not a little bit negligent, Darren, that they allowed Mark Gurhey and Fikayu Tomori to lead the club permanently, bearing in mind that they're going to have to replace all four centre-backs over the next 18 months?
1: No, because both players wanted to play and they weren't prepared to wait to find out what Chelsea were going to do. The offers for them were big ones when you consider how little they had done in the game at that point and when they were sold I think the club Marine in particular was getting a lot of credit and praise um, for getting such big fees, I think Gehi was 15 million pounds, rising to 25. But I suppose
2: um, the the point is is that you you have to have a little bit of um, foresight about what's going to happen down the line. And, and it was no secret that Tiago Silva is heading towards 40. It, there's no so- secret that Athpilicawait has had a couple of games over this season than previous seasons where occasionally he's looked a little bit short. So you are going to need to invest in defence if you've got two players that you know. Let's be honest, you know, for Tomori's done very well at. at see Milan. Mark Gurhi's been brilliant at Crystal Palace and it was no secret those two players were very very good players why would you allow them to go permanently it was in well, Chelsea's gift to say no 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 no, no. you can go on loan at the end of the season we'll make a decision next year when well, we know what's happening with Afpilicoueta when well, we know what's happening with Christensen when well, we know what's happening with Rudiger two players that are out of contract
1: well, Sam well, you've then- answered your own question I mean Ficayo tomorrow has gone to AC Milan and improved out of all recognition for the regular first team football he would not have had at Chelsea mm. staying with Mark Gurhi now you're saying, why didn't they go on loan? But I know that those players didn't want to go on loan. They mm. want to leave. They
2: wanted... They back. had contracts at Chelsea, so... The
1: they Chelsea also need were to, raise funds to sign longer term ones. And, and so their, their value would have gone down even further had they stayed at the club and it wouldn't mm. have been harder to shift them.
3: Well, they've got and to they spend a lot of money now. For Lukaku uh, to finance that transfer, which has been an absolute disaster. Resounding should, success, actually. I think. We should we should mention Lukaku. Two goals at the weekend. First time he scored in the Premier League in the calendar year. First, a penalty that he won himself. A bit more like the Lukaku of old, bullying defenders into that challenge. The second, a really good finish from the edge of the penalty area. Gets taken off before he complete what would have been his first hat-trick at uh, club level, I think, uh, in the Premier League since 2017. Gets ignored by Thomas Tuchel as he comes off. Tuchel is in conversation, quite a heated conversation uh, with, remember, his backroom staff, fair enough. But surely as a manager, once you've finished that conversation, you turn around to the guy who scored two goals and give him some kind of acknowledgement. I asked Tuchel after the game, one positive today, Lukaku back on the score sheet a week before the FA Cup final. You must be pleased. He said today's not the day to talk about Romelu. If you're not going to talk about him today, you probably never are. And I think that highlights a big breakdown in relationship between player and manager that looks almost irreparable.
2: I tell you what, how can you write off a 97.5 million pound sign? Only Chelsea can do that. I mean, some of their 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 recruitment in the past. And Crook and I ov- often go through some of the big signings that Chelsea have made over the last 10 years and where the money has gone. I mean, absolutely crazy. I mean, some of it is ridiculous. But this this would be the biscuit. I mean, close to the Kepa the Balaga, £72.5 million. And we haven't he- seen hair nor hide of him for the last uh, year or so. Um, OK, let's look at the rest of the weekend's matches because there's still some big stories around the relegation prices. Norwich 0, West Ham United 4. And West Ham brushed off their European exit, reignited their race for the Premier League top six with a thumping 4-0 win against Norwich City. And that seems fanciful because they play Manchester City next. But Manchester United are so bad and the gap is only three points with a game in hand and a far superior goal difference. If they were to win those Games in hand, maybe they would lose to Manchester City, might
3: get a point there. They could actually think about going above Manchester United. Last day of the season. Uh, if, if West Ham couldn't, can win their game, you wouldn't put any money on Manchester United to win at Crystal Palace, particularly not how well they've done under Patrick Vieira who wants to go out on a high. So I think there's every chance. I don't think West Ham will pick up anything against Manchester City for reasons that we've already discussed. But I think they deserve sixth place. They deserve it more than Manchester United. Um, And the way they embrace the the Europa League, they will do so again next season. And I thought, testament to David Moyes and to the players, listen, it's only Norwich. um, And they are utterly abject, as we know. But West Ham could have been forgiven for having some kind of hangover after going out of Europe in midweek competition they really have put their heart and soul into. To go away from home and have the game won before half-time, I think is a brilliant effort for West Ham and tells you all you need to know about the character in that dressing room.
2: Yeah, they did show character because I was in Germany with them and that defeat did hurt. It really did hurt. But Norwich condemned to relegation by defeat against Aston Villa last weekend. I suppose we're less Frankfurt and more Frank Spencer, really, weren't they? And goalkeeper Tim Krull, he had an absolutely terrible day, Darren.
1: Frankfurt, not more. Frankfurt, Frank Spencer. That's very good. That's very good. <laughs> you like that one, did you? Uh, I I love the way you dropped it and then just tried to move on. But you have got to take the credit when you come out <laughs> with the good ones. To be fair, um, uh, yeah. Well,
2: yeah. Listen, listen. I I wasn't the only one to drop it. Tim Crawl did that.
1: He did. He did. Right. He was poor. They've been poor. They've been shambolic. There's not really too much point analysing Norwich. Did, did you
2: hear the song? Did you hear the songs? That's why we're going down. That was the one I can repeat. I mean, they were they, they were singing all sorts of songs. The Norwich fans about their own team because they they've just come around to Crookie's point of view now. I was going to say, were they
3: singing well, Alex Crook was right all along?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been a few occasions where um,
3: Alex yeah, has been right. What, one, the, one or two? Uh, there the is that season. as well.
1: But Dean Smith has had to maybe tell the the, the <laughs> Norwich fans to stop being so hard on the player.
2: <laughs> Come right. off it. They've lost but, 12 games at home this season. I know. A Club record. I know. Like, unbelievable. I they've I been absolutely, absolutely disastrous.
1: And I think if you listen closely, you might just hear them actually telling each other Alex was right because they've been... <laughs> They've just been so bad all season, so easy to play against, so powered up front, uh, so lacking in heart. It, it, it almost feels, it almost makes you feel guilty pulling them apart because they're just not good enough for the Premier League. They're too good for their championship. Maybe they should sort of have a Premier League limbo league where they could go into because right now, unless they really do push the boat out to bring in quality, they're going to go through the same cycle again.
2: Yeah. Do you, do you feel guilty
1: yeah. for having a go at them? Feel,
2: from the Premier League, he says he feels guilty about pulling them apart. Do you feel guilty about pulling them apart?
3: Not at all. Usually, in these circumstances, you'd say I feel sorry for the fans. I won't say that.
2: Um, uh, do you know how bad Norwich are? They're so bad that Watford might finish above them. Uh, they've lost eight of their last nine. They went down without a fight for uh, the second time in three years after losing to Crystal Palace and um, Kamara getting sent off. I mean, someone said to me that that was out of order because he was pushed in the back. But if you're pushing the back, do, do you automatically put your arms out like you're a seagull? I'm not necessarily sure uh, that you do. Um, Palace of United next. I, I think they'll fancy that. Uh, we talked a bit about Ben Foster and what he said after the game. They've kept three clean sheets all season. 70 goals conceded. Three different managers. Uh, they all won two matches and Moonoth only uh, took charge of seven. We've spoken a bit about him, so we won't go into that in much detail. Just to say that I think that it was pretty pathetic uh, from Watford to get themselves into that situation where they're relegated so easily. Um, Burnley still fighting against relegation. Now, it'll be interesting to see, won't it, Alex, how Burnley bounced back from their first defeat under Mike Jackson. 3-0 defeat at home to
3: Aston Villa. And that hurt, I think. Very much so, um, and it's going to be a test to that new management team and, and a test to the, the players and how much they genuinely have turned a corner since Sean Dyche left, how they react to defeat. You learn a lot more about players and, and managers in adversity than you do when things are going well, and it's been a pretty serene ride up until the weekend but that's a bad result against an Aston Villa side who haven't been pulling up any trees of late they still have to go uh, to Villa Park as well Burnley and I think they'll need one more win I think 37 points despite the fact that you're trying to drag Southampton into it on 40 I think 37 will be the magic number this season if Burnley can win one more game that might just be enough to keep them up and send Leeds down but yeah, listen there's a flip of a coin really between those two in my opinion
2: Why didn't he start Maxwell Cornet from the start? Obviously made an impact when he came on. He's the top scorer. Seems a bit strange.
3: Strange when you need points and when you need victories, I agree. But I guess nobody would have questioned it because of how well Mike Jackson has done since he came in. But certainly Cornet took his goal well, so point proved by him. I'd imagine he'll be a a regular fixture for the rest of the season.
2: Are you worried a little bit about their uh, defence, Darren? Because they've lost James Tarkovsky to injury. It's likely that he might miss the next couple of games at least. Um, And then you've got Ben Mee who's already out. Rodriguez, Vidro has picked up injuries as well. Actually, they're picking up ailments at just the wrong time.
1: Yeah, they're they're run before... Mike Jackson came in, was quite poor, uh, but, I mean, he managed to beat it, obviously, with that 10 points out of 12. They're yeah, coming off the little results as after- well, are not
3: they? Did you do that on yeah, purpose there, Darren? Mike Jackson
1: and beat it? No.
2: <laughs> Come on, I got it. I would went on with it with, off the wall. I thought you could have at least contributed one Michael Jackson track rather than just pointing out the obvious. Yeah, uh, Well, one, to be it? fair,
1: I did. That. Well, there you go. And I was getting there. And then but you guys basically stopped my flow. So oh, um, what I'll do, I'll just point to the action football because I think as far as Burley are concerned, I wouldn't write them off necessarily. No more puns, I promise. Um, but I can't see them winning a the Spurs game at White Hart Lane, not with Spurs having a bit between their teeth. So if they're going to do it, they're going to have to do it in this match.
2: Okay, um, okay. Brentford beat Southampton by three goals to nil. This is our and finally for the uh,
3: weekend. Talk to me. Talk to me about Southampton. Problems. Um, For the first time, really, match-going fans turned on Ralph Hasenhuta with those chants if you don't know what you're doing and you're getting sacked in the morning. It's been building up, actually, on social media for a few weeks because they're in a wretched run of form. And I I think... For the first time, questions do have to be asked of Ralph Hasenhutl. Why did that, he bring it, on Oriol Romeo when they needed a the goal? Well, that was when the fans really reacted. But why is he ignoring a good pro like Theo Walcott when his team can't buy a victory? You know, doesn't even make the bench, Walcott. Clearly not a troublesome character in the dressing room. Somebody with plenty of Premier League experience. Somebody who's hardly past it when you, in terms of age. And I think he could contribute. So some of the decision-making has been strange. I think there's been an issue between him and Armando Broyer. He's been very critical uh, of Broya in recent weeks. And I think Southampton actually is a club are going off the idea uh, of trying to keep him beyond the end of the season. So this so is
2: Harsenhutel's a- fallen out with Broyer, not
3: um, Theo Walcott you're talking no, about. No, Harsenhutel, yeah. yeah. Um, so so again, like Leicester, I think it's a big summer because I don't think they'll go down on, on, on 40 points. They might not pick up another point this season. And that will be a, a very disappointing end to a campaign during which they've been targeting a top 10 finish.
2: Do we know the the owner's sort of mind here? Because we've got a new owner in January. mm -hmm. They decided that they're going to formulate this new sporting club where Southampton would be the first of many different clubs, a bit like the old Manchester City or the RB Leipzig model, where they've got little satellite clubs all over uh, Europe. Are, are they minded to change the managers? Do we know anything about that? Whether or not they're going to be ruthless and think about maybe up, upgrading or whether they think he's run his course? Because he's been there quite a while now, hasn't he? And for a Southampton manager to be there that long. I mean, I can't remember how how long he's been there exactly, but I think he's one of the longest serving
3: Southampton bosses for a while. Yeah, the longest-serving Southampton manager of the Premier League era, in fact, and obviously they lavished him with a big new contract. They've they've indulged him quite a lot in terms of this playbook that he produced during lockdown. In terms of how every age group, not just the first team, but right down to academy level and below, should be coached. So I think it's it's a question for the for the new owners. I think they'll take stock. Um, I don't think the this juncture is stomach for a change this side of the start of the new season but if the poor form continues into the new campaign and it can happen that a club finishes one season badly and then limp into the next and again get off to a poor start then I think his position will come under scrutiny for sure.
2: OK, uh, right. Thank you very much to both of you. You've been brilliant as always. It's been lovely to see you. Um, thank you very much for downloading the Game Day podcast or watching on YouTube this week. Uh, we love to have you. If you've got any comments, please leave them in the section below or you can tweet me at Sam Butterface at underscore Alex. Was it Alex underscore Crook? Yeah, that's right. And at Mira Darren. We're always available on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back on Thursday afternoon previewing all the weekend's action and looking back at what's happened midweek uh, as well in the Premier League. Of course, This weekend is the FA Cup final, and we can't wait for that as well.
0: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on TalkSport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.